your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Sean Shapiro. Sean, what's going on, man? It's uh it's a good day over here. I uh before we got on here, I was uh I was it's gonna be three days below freezing here, so and my backyard is flat enough. So I uh started laying out the the sideboards and I'll lay a liner off after we get this and uh hopefully I can take the kids skating in the backyard on Monday. So it's a good day here. Nice. Well, this is the hockey PDO cast, not the home improvement PDO cast. So let's uh let, let's focus on <laughs> on the stuff that uh that we know know hopefully uh well enough to discuss here for the next hour. So here's a plan. We're gonna do the Friday mailbag because it Perfect. is Friday. We're gonna take some listener questions, ease into the weekend and the week uh, with some style and flair and fun. That's the hope at least. So here's what we're gonna start with. And it's not even right. a listener question, actually. So I, I, I totally just lied. We are okay. going to get to the listener questions in a bit. But I want to talk about the NHL schedule with you because I know you wrote about this recently. And then we planned to talk about it. And then as I was prepping for the show, Greg Wyshynski's tweet comes across my timeline with a link to an article discussing how the NHL is having conversations about expanding the regular season from 82 games to 84 games to quote-unquote create more regional rivalry matchups which is a real uh, word salad and then Wait. it's because apparently teams are complaining that there is um an imbalance of divisional games and 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 to be fair i remember at the start of the year i was like yeah, i thought it was very bizarre when i saw that like the flames and oilers were playing in like the first week of the season and then they were playing like one more time or something and then like again and then that was going to be it and they were like not we're not going to have any games between each other for the final like three months of the season or something like that. And I think the Islanders and the Rangers have a similar setup as well this year. So it's very bizarre yeah. in that regard. And I understand that beyond people looking to make money though, I I don't know who is clamoring for more regular season games. Um, no, and so no, I think I that, that's kind of my third, first, first reaction and thought to, uh, to the story. Yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, I'm not on team shorter season, but I'm on team like, like team eight. I'm I'm on team like if we're gonna do anything to the schedule, you go eight eighty games or seventy six games. I'm not going the other way where you're adding more games to this, where you're putting more wear and tear, and you're making your product even worse. Like I, <laughs> I don't I don't get it. I mean, well, I really I get I get where you're. I get people saying, oh well. You add 84 games. So that's what let's do simple math here. That's two more games per team. You're always playing someone else. So that's, I believe that's 64 more games you're adding to the mm -hmm. schedule roughly. And mm -hmm. so that's if a game is worth, if a game averages out to, to $2 million in revenue, per game roughly or just say 2.5 million i'm using a calculator people here i can't do this math in my own head where did you uh, where did you where did you pull out that figure from that's just off the top of your head i know that i know that an average really? nhl game is about oh. 2.5 million dollars in revenue i I, I had a at one point i worked somewhere where they employed me to uh mm. to, to to understand the business of the sport so when you put it uh, that way there should be at least 90 regular season games more let's get let's get more oh yeah 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 exactly and like, but so it averages out to like 2.5 million per game. And so you're looking at roughly adding two more regular season games per team is 
hundred and sixty million dollars, roughly. Rough rough math here doing that. So that's now that's actually very interesting because 160 million dollars would exactly cover the revenue deficit that's remaining for players to be able to get rid of escrow for next season. So I wonder if that's I wonder I'm I wonder sure if, that's a coincidence and a number that they just yes, randomly. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure those two things have. Yeah, you know Gary Bettman, things randomly and coincidentally happening that definitely I mean, don't yeah. benefit him in any way. I, uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's always a poll to make sure it's backed up. Always a poll. Always, yeah. uh, always scientific research to back it up. Okay, so, so before we get into your schedule. Yeah, yeah. suggestion here kind of a wrinkle mm-hmm. i have a question for you so this this year's regular season ends on thursday april 13th now there is a game the following day on that friday which is a makeup game for um the predators and avalanche because i forget what, i forget what yeah exactly Plum, yeah they, they weren't able to play issues. a game earlier this year yeah. yes so for all intents and purposes everyone else is going to wind up playing on that thursday before now the mm-hmm. Saturday before, a couple of days before that, all thirty-two teams play that one day. Yeah, and it'll be hectic, right? There'll be sixteen mm-hmm. games going on. How many of those sixteen games do you think are actually going to matter from a like a a, a, a playoff seeding slash? Uh, you have to win to make it, or yeah, 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 you're yeah. not gonna like. like it, I I think maybe zero, maybe yeah. one or two if the NHL is lucky. It's because. Mm-hmm. These games other than season for the most part don't matter. I understand there's money yeah. to make. I understand uh, even if your team's out of it, you've got like young players. These are valuable reps for them. There's guys yeah. who are looking to to put good film on tape so that they can stay in the league and get jobs elsewhere in the offseason. Like there's 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 obviously something to gain for everyone involved. But for us as viewers, and this is an entertainment product, which is what the NHL is is trying to provide. It's like we want to see games that that ultimately matter and there's stakes and consequences involved. And if you're just basically playing out the string of the regular season, that really seems to kind of defeat the purpose of what they're trying to provide us with. I agree with that. I mean, you're you're gonna look at that and I'm sure maybe there'll be a game or two or whatever, but it's like it's <laughs> so many game the regular season just becomes there's a couple parts in the season where the regular season just becomes mundane in many parts. And you wanna add more to that, like you want to add another game by adding two more games to this, right? Just kind of connecting this where you got to stretch adding two more games. That's two more games where it's probably going to be another back-to-back. Let's just be honest with, 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 with you're adding more games to schedule, you're going to add another back-to-back somewhere, which basically instead of adding by adding another, by adding two back-to-backs, you're basically taking four more games now where you got one team on junk legs, one team playing a backup goalie one team more banged up like by doing this by adding two additional games to each team schedule you're ruining four additional games to, the, to each team schedule like you know. it's i i'm a big believer in that it's kind of hilarious that the nhl always talks about our game has never been better our talent has never been better our game is the best i think i hit all the talking points well those are those are uh, true i think all of those those are true, are true. Th- th- yeah. those those are true those yeah. are true so let the t- let your product Mm-hmm. be the best possible right. product. Don't use your schedule to make it worse. And I know the justification will be, oh, well, they're regional games, so it'll be close. Okay. That's what that works fine if okay, we're gonna add another Devil's Rangers game where they just literally where they where they take a morning skate at their own rink. But for every Devil's Rangers game, for every rivalry that you get for the Battle of Alberta, the 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 California faceoff or whatever, the Ducks Kings, like Who's going to get cramped playing the Coyotes two more times? Who's going to get cramped? Who are Dallas and Nashville going to play two more times? Like it's 
you, you're talking about these these games where these rivalries, these regional rivalries, where by having by trying to facilitate more of the natural ones, we get more of these forced ones where it becomes like, why do I want to see eight Carolina Florida games or something like that? Like just right. like just if you're a if you're a hockey team and you're trying to sell tickets too, like I would bet the teams pushing for these quote unquote regional games, all of them are either in Canada or an original six team. And those teams have the most power, like the Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay lightning, the Arizona coyotes, the Nashville predators. They want to play as many teams as possible because such, I know this so much of their ticket structure is built on getting as many different teams in and selling these different packs where you can say, Oh, come see Chicago. Come see this team. Like they don't care about their regional rival. Like it's, this is, I'm full stop against 84 games if if I've made that clear. Yeah, I, I do. One thing I really did like, they kind of like stumbled into it during that bubble season, right? Where the teams were playing each other over and over again. And then they carried it over last year as well. These like scheduled home and homes between teams sometimes yeah. where it's like, and we just saw it the other day, right? I, I'm Or I guess last week, Pittsburgh and Buffalo, like they played on Friday night in Buffalo and then they played on Saturday night in Pittsburgh. And I really enjoyed that. Like, I, I actually oh, think yeah, there is like something that. to, I, I think there is something to like, um, not that, not that necessarily like, oh, you play one game and then you're going like, to get this animosity and then the second game is going to be so much more intense. But I kind of like the seeing those two games so close in the schedule because you kind of see how the teams potentially do adjustments or how they match up against each other. And you kind of file it away for later on, especially if they're going to meet in the playoffs. And I think that, that, that wrinkle is cool. And I'd like to see some more of that. So like when they talk about these kind of rivalry matchups, like I think if you're talking about that specifically in terms of scheduling proximity, I like that, but I think the NHL trying to like force down our throat this, like, I mean, their justification for the current playoff seating system, right? It's like, Oh, we want, we want to see these rivalries in the playoffs. And it's like, no, we kind of want to just see like, we just want to see the, the best, best teams matchups. playing each other. Yeah, yeah. we want we to see like we competitive the best fun games. We don't care about the fact that these two teams are geographically close to each other. Like, I understand yeah. it might help from travel, but I don't think your average NHL fan is like particularly bothered by that. They want to see their team win, but they also want to see their team play against other fun players because that's what this is all about. Well, it, it even like like I know this for example. Like I've got a friend who is uh, he's a Red Wings season like mini season ticket holder plan, right? And like every he does like I think he does like either the ten or twelve game or whatever, and he gets to pick his tickets. He's intentionally picking ten different teams to see. Like he's right. going out of his way to be like, oh, I want to see this team, this team, this team, this team. It's not something where like, oh, well, I want to see the because you you know it will be the like geographically would be kind of hilarious about this because we know Pittsburgh and Philly would be like grouped together. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it's going to be like Detroit Columbus seven times a year. Like you're going to be, you're going to get that. And it's going to be like, Oh, yay. This is fun. <laughs> like this is <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's, I no, it's don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Okay. Well, you know, we'll, we'll give us an alternative. What should we do? Let uh let the listeners know. ah yes this, yes this, yes this is a, this is a, this is what we call a it's a it's a natural segue yes, in, the, uh, natural in the broadcasting segue. business natural. yeah so if uh, I have an idea of because everyone is this is my solution to try to bring something I've always wanted to hockey which people will never accept promotion and relegation and to kind of appease the well we don't have anything to play for and, and get rid of the get rid of the tanking partial tanking completely mm-hmm. so 
under this plan that I completely made up um, and is now getting a wonderful platform here on Sportsnet. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the uh, everyone plays every you play a sixty you have a you have an eighty two game schedule. Everyone plays everyone for sixty two games. Home and home, you play everyone. Uh, similar to what you see, like in the English Premier League, where you play every single team, and that way you get every team gets every every fan base gets to see every other team at least once in their building, and then the sixty-two game mark of the season, where we take a pause, and the t- the top twenty-one teams in the standings go into one league, basically one grouping, and those twenty-one teams only play the other twenty teams in that group. They actually play each other once. It works out perfectly. We've got sixty-two games. There's twenty remaining. The top 21 teams, you play each of one of the other playoff teams in the in the top 20, 21 for one game for the remainder of the season. And from that top 21, that, that builds your 16-team playoff field. One through 16 under this plan. One through 16 would be the, we're kind of getting rid of the conference set up here. Um, and you have a completely equal schedule. You have, everyone has played, every team that's in the playoffs will have played the exact same strength of schedule across the league. The bottom 11 because we still have them to worry about too. The bottom 11, they go into their their own pool where essentially for that group of 11, we cut from that point on, we start a new standings. And I know standings are very confusing, but you've dealt with OTW and OTL for years or whatever. So whatever, you can deal with another <laughs> another another line in the standings. Right. Those 11 teams play each other. There's, there's since 11 teams... If you're one team, you play each of the other teams twice. Yeah. Once again, complete strength of schedule. You've played everyone in the bottom eleven has played the exact same teams. Uh, three, uh, and so you go through that, and the team with the best record of that bottom eleven gets the number one pick. Second best record, second overall pick. Third best, third best team with record, third overall pick, and so on and so forth. Logic behind this for me: equal schedule, strength. You have games that mean something throughout the season because all of a sudden you have Ducks, Coyotes at the end of the season and the winner of that team, the winner of that game is probably going to get a better pick. I realize there are some flaws in this. I don't care, but I'm willing to hear your your, your criticisms here. But I, I, it's everyone, everyone's allowed to throw out crazy ideas. This is mine. And uh, let's, let's go, let's do it. Oh, well, okay. So do you want to take it first? What what side do you want to take it from? Do you want to take it from the, like the winner's bracket or the, uh, or if you want to call it you, the loser's you're, bracket? You're, you're the host. I'll let you pick. Well, I think, I think it's, I think the loser's bracket or the, the bottom 11 teams component of it is interesting to me, right? Because this kind of, mm-hmm. this is sort of like a, a totally modified version of the gold system essentially, right? Yeah. Yes. And um, I, I know there's some flaws in, the installation of that plan in terms of like things would come up and I think there'd need to be yeah. tweaking. And there's honestly like there's stuff that you probably can't even account for that would just happen. And you'd be like, okay, now we have to like figure out what we do here as we yeah. integrate yeah. this plan. I got to say though, like um, so this year I started a, or our pal Thomas Drant started a, like a big uh, like keeper fantasy football league. And we put in the gold system after the trade deadline the teams that don't make the playoffs, the, the team that finishes with the most points from the end of the for the from the traded line to the end of the regular season gets the first overall pick in next year's draft, and it was really fun because yeah. it it gave those teams something to actually not only care about for the stretch run, yeah. but also yeah. like strategically, 
there was a lot of planning in place where if you realize halfway through the year, even before you start tabulating these points that you're headed in this direction, all of a sudden you can start trying to like kind of align things to to work out from a timing perspective so that once you get to that point, you're actually firing on all cylinders and can potentially field your strongest team so that you can get that high draft pick. And so it added all of this kind of additional strategy that wouldn't have been involved and really made these games matter for every single team. And that's, I think, a huge failing in terms of the current structure yeah. where not only are you incentivizing teams to to lose, essentially, no matter what you do with the draft lottery at the moment, but for a lot of the times, like it just the fans don't really care. Like they're yeah, I guess they're, maybe they're cheering for their team to lose actually to improve their draft lottery odds. But like there's there's no real interest to actually be motivated, incentivized, care at all. And so anything you can do to make if you're actually going to insist, especially on having more regular season games, essentially as well. Yeah. Like you got to make sure those they actually matter beyond just yeah. oh this is a geographical rival. That's why you should care. Like there needs to be actually something in place to. Yeah. incentivize yeah. you to win those games yes yes yeah so i i i i i like it um you know it's funny Good. it's it's way too uh it's way too exotic for the <laughs> nhl is, so in terms is, of actual is, actual, it actual it'll never uh, it'll never it, it'll never happen but uh, yes dare to dream though yeah i like it well, yeah no no it, it, it's really cool what's um what's kind of what's the feedback you've gotten from the uh, from the eighty hour suggestion from people, like it seems like people are generally pretty. On board yeah, right? it's I've got the obviously kind of one of the biggest detractors is sometimes people will be like, well, how this system will just keep bad teams bad is kind of the whole thing. But then I would also argue, even in the current system where bad teams get the first overall pick, they don't necessarily become good. <laughs> so yeah. I would I would I would I would argue that um, the other the other thing that was just kind of logistically people were like oh how could you make this work and i actually have an answer for that where basically before the season started you would have each team would block out 15 dates for would block out 15 dates on their schedule that they're that blocked their billing out for 15 days and then you would have already those built in just like nhl playoff dates are built in kind of sort of built in and penciled in so that the nhl schedule makers could go and make it work yeah um obviously the big the big hurdle we would run into and once again, this is just the NH. This is an NHL thing. The, trying to apply the NHL to this is this. Of course, gets rid of conferences. This gets rid of their Eastern Western playoff, and it goes one through sixteen. Which all of a sudden you run into some drawbacks on that, which I understand. But mm -hmm. in general, in general, pretty good feedback. Yeah. Well, you know, the one wrinkle that that I like to. Um... Like Micah, Micah, I don't know how long ago, maybe a year or two ago, yeah. put together his own kind of version of the goal plan in terms of like yep. adding interesting little dynamics to it as well. And the one that I really liked was the teams could essentially announce the date that you are qualifying yourself for like accruing points for yeah, yeah, yeah. towards towards the draft lottery, yeah. which would obviously give the worst teams an actual advantage because in theory you'd be like we're not trying eligible to this for year. it yeah, yeah, right yeah. so you'd be yeah. you'd be accruing those points ahead of time as opposed to teams that are going to yeah. finish ninth in their conference where they're actually you know they're they're mm -hmm. in playoff contention for much longer right before they're finally mathematically eliminated and i i i, just, I love the i was thinking of it like a team like the flyers this year for example right they start out the year carter hart's hot they're winning yeah. all of these games 
and like people are somehow like talking themselves into like, oh, John Tortorella has these guys playing good hockey. Look at this. And then, of course, obviously, they come crashing back down. They're like 27 point percentage now or something last I check predictably. But I love the idea of like how upset their fans would be like the, the ones that know that the team was going to be bad. Yeah. Um, like seeing the team wasting these points early in the year because the team didn't like didn't just accept their fate and say we're just yeah. gonna go all in for the draft lottery right out of the gate instead yeah. they're like playing it out and then all of a sudden they're winning these games and they're setting themselves back even further I, I love those dynamics it's so so yeah. hilarious that's like a very recent example that i think would apply perfectly to this but yeah um i, I just anything anything that you can experiment with that not only um makes these games matter for all these teams but also um like incentivizes strategy especially i think for me is, yeah. is such a cool dynamic that i think we really need to explore with with these yeah, games it's some, like, and it, it, it is some, too much the way the way it's currently structured yeah i mean it's kind of one of the uh, inspirations when i was looking at this kind of my idea part of it also came from there's a couple european soccer leagues like the scottish premier league does this where for they they play every, there's a natural schedule for the first two three-fourths of the season in the last fourth of the season the six teams the top six teams in the league they only play the other top six teams in the league so you have a title chase now mm-hmm. that's 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 a league where it's the title there's no playoff so it's just that it's basically kind of creating a natural addition but then the bottom six teams who are fighting for relegation only play them so it becomes against your peer group and that's the other thing where i like about this about my plan from the perspective of you're talking about selling games and you're selling playoffs and you're selling tickets okay Every single, if you're in that top 21, every single game you're playing A, another good team, and B, another team that you, if you win against them, you are closer to the playoffs than they are and vice versa. And then the same thing with the bottom with the bottom third where it's your peers and you're like, okay, well, we're playing for this. And the other thing that I heard from people's counter people gave was like, oh, well, players won't play for a draft pick. Players don't tank. Like I know players don't tank, coaches don't tank. As much as GMs and owners pull plugs on things, players continue to play. They continue to mess up tanking plans because they're playing for another job. They're playing for pride. They're playing for all this. And so as much as, as much as you maybe don't, maybe, yeah, maybe you don't, it's human nature. You don't play as hard when you're out as you for playoffs, but players and teams still try to win even when they're tanking. It's just yep. a natural, it's, it's, it's just the people putting the chess pieces down that are trying to put down the least desirable chess pieces to lose than, than more so than the pieces themselves. So, well, also you're really talking about a, a 20 game sprint. Yeah. Yeah. I would, if you were thinking about this year's bottom 11 teams mm-hmm. or what they'll realistically be at the end of the year. Yeah. I wouldn't bet on them but I would be scared to just clo- totally shut the door on like the Arizona Coyotes finishing those 20 games as the number one team in, oh, that, yeah. I mean, in that any- grouping because Carl Bamelka just gets hot all of a sudden, wins yeah. you a bunch of games, and, and you're right up there. Well, and anything can happen in a small sample size, right? Like it's like Especially it's, it's involving whole- all, like relatively equally bad teams. There's going to be yeah. Yeah. complete chaos. Any, any, yeah. Anything can happen. And you know what? Those lower games are going to be would be fascinating because it would be kind of, it would be kind of that stretch where some teams at the same time would be trying to get in some other younger guys here and there. And it would, there'd be mistakes. Like it would be, <laughs> they'd, they'd be exciting. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think from the top, top end of the spectrum, we, we, we kind of have glossed over that, but I, I think 
getting to see all these teams that are going to be playing each other when it truly matters most in the playoffs. You get to see that kind of mm-hmm. how they line up with each other. And then each of those yeah. games gains added importance as well, because it factors in so much to the seeding. So yeah, I think, I think it's a really cool way to sort of make these games matter for everyone and also match, match, match these teams up in like in peer groups, basically. Right. And and then you can, yep. you can see, cause there's always this like one fan base that, has like a diluted perception of how good their team is. And so the team's out of the playoff race, but they're like, oh, we don't we don't belong with all these other bad teams. We're actually better than them. We've just been yeah. a bit unlucky or whatever. And it's like, all right, well, this is a great chance for you to prove it yeah. and and yeah. reap the rewards of getting a potentially top pick as well by doing so. So it's like, it's a win-win for you if that truly is the case. And then if it's not, well, then we'll also see that as well. And then that'll, that'll get you to kind of uh, reassess where your team's at in terms of how good they actually are. Yeah. All right. I love it. All right. This is good, man. Um, we're going to take a break here. And then when we come back, we're, we're finally going to get into the listener questions. I, I started, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a mailbag. Uh, halfway through the show, I have done zero listener questions, but we've got some really fun ones uh, on the go here. So we're going to do that. When we come back, you are listening to the hockey PDO guest on the Sportsnet radio network. Hockey cast here with Sean Shapiro. Sean, let's get into some of these listener questions. So Nate Britton here asks, do we all know what possession and control actually is? This is obviously in reference to the Oilers being jobbed last night uh, by a, an offside review in overtime that called back Leandre Seidel's winner after McDavid was ruled to have um, yeah. have crossed the, crossed the blue line before the puck did essentially. And they went and they reviewed it. They deemed it was offside. They go back to play. They wind up losing. I, I'm curious. Do you remember, curious the, the, do you remember, do you remember the Makar dumping play? Of course. I'm also against play. the Oilers. Yeah. 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 Also against the Oilers. Uh, one of the most stunning things about me after that one, and I haven't spoken to anyone since this one that happened last night, but one of the most stunning things, like, I talked to an NHL video coach after that Makar one, and he said, he's like, actually, we all knew that was like video coaches. We all knew that was going to be the call because we have gone over that scenario with the league of whether to challenge it or not. Mm. So, so the whole, the whole thing about it is and someone like, I would love to be a fly on the wall for like the annual, like meeting of video coaches, because apparently they all know. And like, they, they all tend to other, they all tend to have an idea of what this is. And it would love, I would love to be a fly on the wall for that meeting because <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, it's good that they're doing their jobs, figure it out, but it'd be nice if they explain it to the rest of us. Yeah. I think there's far too much. I, 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 I get what you're yeah. saying in terms of like, they oh, feel yeah, like, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I mean based an- on anecdot- the... an- anecdotally, of course, I mean, no, no, like... no. And, and, and yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. like there's, I think there's two different things at play here, right? There's yeah. one, there's like the literal letter of the law in terms of you look yeah. at the rule book and what it says or what's been explained to the teams in the preseason when they have all these meetings with officials and kind of what they're looking for. And then there's like the spirit of the thing, <laughs> spirit of the thing. And when you're watching it, what you see. Right. Yeah. And then there's too much like interpretation or gray, gray area between the two and subjectivity. And I think the spirit of the rule is really important here because the logic for installing the offside challenge and review in the first place was because of what happened with Matt Duchesne years ago, where he was so blatantly offside and in the zone before the puck wound up scoring. Yeah. It was like embarrassing that the officials missed that. 
And so they wanted to prevent that from happening, especially in a meaningful playoff game, let's say. Now, yeah. I'm all for that. I think that's the spirit of the rule, though, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not to go back and frame by frame dissect where yeah. the puck was in relation to the skate and whether that affect, yeah. okay, especially or like 40 seconds before a goal is scored. And then where do you draw the line in terms of timing of how far back you can go? Yeah. I think all of that is very easily eliminated clearly by just abolishing offsides, which I'm all for. Yeah. And yeah. and and I, I think the the pros heavily outweigh the cons. But beyond that, I think we need to get real here in terms of what we're trying to accomplish and what we're looking for. And and all of these debates are just so ridiculous in my opinion. I mean, it's it would only lead to more debates at the end, but I think this sh- Personally, if, if I have to accept that we're going to have these reviews and we're going to not abolish offsides and, and such, uh, I think you need to put a reasonable time frame on it. Like, I, I think that's and obviously we continue to have a debate afterwards. But yeah. if you can't if you can't make a, a, a proper decision in a minute, like you're the league office. How many times have you reviewed it already before the review already comes in? If right. you can't make oh, you're the proper saying, decision, you're saying a time limit in terms of how long you get to actually review it, or in terms of yes. like how far how far before the infraction happened to the goal, or both. Both actually, both okay. that you bring it up. Right. That, both that both that you bring it up. I think uh, because otherwise you could just start adding like the amount of other random things you can like go back and you could try to like go back like how many i i look forward to the day where like a, a coach is like and i'm surprised we haven't had a coach do this yet where it's like, like a close game and his guy takes a penalty mm-hmm. but like two minutes earlier before the puck went into the zone it was offside so if we go back and review that offside entry that guy was never there to take the penalty like the, like the, someday like i don't want i like yeah. we're allowed to do that i don't want that like i like there needs to be <laughs> The rule that always gets me is that uh, you can you can review a double minor for high sticking yeah. if blood is drawn. So if it's if mm-hmm. it's bad enough, yeah, but yeah. if it's just two minutes and it's just a regular high stick, it doesn't matter if it was correctly called or if it was a teammate on teammate crime or or, or what yeah. have you. You can't review it. Yeah. It's like this is where yeah. we arbitrarily draw the line of getting the call right. It's like. It's 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 ridiculous to me. I, I I'm all for getting the call right, especially like in a playoff game, right? Like you never want to see a team necessarily lose because uh, the officials yeah. it was a ref show and 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 they messed up. But I I really think like it, it reminds me of how the NFL is like trying to determine what is and isn't a catch. It's like this isn't the most scientific method, but yeah. I think if you if you if everyone looks at a play and it's like yeah that guy caught the ball or like yeah. That guy had the puck on his stick and walk and walked into the zone, and the puck may have not technically been on his stick for that very second, but it's Connor McDavid, and he pretty clearly had possession of that puck. I don't think we need to like go frame by frame here and and you know Zapruder yeah. film style try to figure out what happened in this grainy footage where they're looking on their iPads. It's like I think we can just accept that it was a goal. And yeah, yeah, I know Blue Blues fans I, are probably I, like, oh well, no, well maybe he shouldn't have got outside. But I don't, I really like think you. you the Duchesne thing was like he clearly got an illegal advantage. If you accept that offside should and be it was, a thing, he was, and it was in a the mistake. zone. Yes, it was yeah. a mistake, but also in that sense, he broke a rule to get a competitive advantage that led to a goal, right? Mm-hmm. Some of these plays where they're when they're challenging the offside, it's like I get that the guy technically 
broke the rule in terms of he might have been in the zone before, but he like he didn't get an advantage on the play. Like it, it that it, a goal was scored eventually, but not because the guy was into the zone a millisecond before the puck was. Like well, it, 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 it's ineffective. It, it's like I mean, okay, it, it's it's almost like. Let's see what's a good comparison. It's all you know. It's almost like a speeding ticket. It would almost be like if every single time you drove and the speed limit is fifty. Insert metric used in your nation of mm-hmm. um, <laughs> per hour, and every single time they reviewed your driving after every single drive to see, oh well, you know what, you got fifty one on that time. You technically broke the rule, so we're gonna mm-hmm. go back and we're gonna give you a ticket for that. Like it's the equivalent of that. Like that sounds terrible. And that's what offsides and is. That's what the NHL does <laughs> willingly. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Here's a here's a actually a really thoughtful. I don't have a necessarily an answer for it. And I don't think okay. it, it's kind of like a rhetorical question. But I okay. it was it was it was it was interesting enough that I wanted to give him a shout out. So Austin says obviously the whole quote unquote not wanting to trade in division is dumb. Mm-hmm. But is it plausible for it to actually be a preferred move to trade in your division if you're essentially Ooh. if you feel like you are um saddling your divisional rival with a potential contract that you think is going to hamper them in the long run and so it generally would apply to like let's say a team like the Canucks right now right the yeah. a big topic conversation is Bo Horvat who's going to be 28 in April and up for a new UFA deal what are they going to do with him? Who are they going to trade him to? It's like, I think the conventional thinking or conventional wisdom would be, oh, well, you can't trade him to the Flames or the Oilers or or whoever, the Kings or whoever, because, well, it's going to make you look really bad if you have to play them a bunch of times and they're playing really well for them and then they're beating you and it's making you look extra stupid. And obviously that's like such flawed logic. You should just, there's 32 teams. You should worry about, you're one of the 32. Oh, yeah. You should you should worry about yeah. improving your team the most and, and let the chips fall where they may. But in this sense, if you're like, wow, this player who's 28 is certainly going to get a seven-year deal this summer for probably too much money while they're in their in their early to mid-30s, we're not going to be the ones that pay that because we realize that's going to be a bad, bad contractual mm-hmm. decision. Wouldn't you want one of your division rivals to, especially if you're a rebuilding team and you're not going to be good for the next couple of years, so it doesn't matter how good that player is right now, but in three years when you're ready to be good, it's a competitive advantage for one of your division rivals to be basically sinking a bunch of their future cap in a player that you don't think is going to be a difference maker. I, I think you're hundred percent right. I also think the whole don't trade within your division is such a loser mentality. Yeah. Like I like if, if you're making a trade, you are in theory making the trade because it is better for your team's future, whether yes. that's this season, next season, or whatever it is. So you, in theory, only make a trade if you're in your mind you're winning it. Yeah. So who cares who the loser of the deal is? You, in your mind, are the winner. So just embrace that you're winning a trade. Just like if you can, like it's just the I won't trade in my own division. Just shows a lack of confidence that you actually think you're winning your trades to me. Like that's. That's all that is. Like, well, I, I think it applies, especially in these examples, like the like a Horvat mm-hmm. one, for example. Yeah. Not that like, I think he's going to suddenly fall off the map, but any player that's getting into their late twenties, early thirties, it's up for a new deal. If, if you you're, you realize that, and smartly, you don't want to be the one picking up the tab on it. 
I would want one of my biggest rivals to be the one making that mistake then. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, no, like, I don't, yeah, I don't I mean, want him going to the other conference because that, that ultimately doesn't affect me at all. It's like, I would, I, mean, I want, I want my rival to make a mistake. On the, like, you know what? The Minnesota Wild are thrilled Ryan Suter signed to the Dallas Stars. They oh, are thrilled. I bet they are, they are. thrilled. They yeah. are so happy that they are. I mean, obviously, they're spending their own chunk of change on him as well, still, but <laughs> yeah, they're, but, they're um, mostly paying him. Yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is, like, someone else, okay, we discarded something since someone else took it, and now we get to go against the thing we wanted to get rid of. Okay. Like, like it's that's, yeah, I don't. That's a good question, though. That's a really good. That's a good thing. It is. Question. It is. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, Austin brought that up, and then uh, bubble bubble Ollie uh, at six minute Ollie, um, followed up on it. Okay, Bradford Sonnenberg asks about Jonathan Huberto here, which I think okay. I, I have some fun stats for you, which is why I mostly okay. So, okay. Bradford says, "I'm curious what your stance is on Jonathan Huberto's absurd defensive metrics this season. Has Daryl Sutter just completely changed him as a player, or is this some sort of?" Bizarre statistical aberration. Now, it's under thirty games for a player who has been in the league for like a decade or so. So, take mm-hmm. everything with a grain of salt here. But here's the stat for you: There's been five hundred and fifty-two skaters this season with at least two hundred five-on-five minutes. Okay. Jonathan Huberto has been on the ice for the fifth lowest rate out of those five hundred fifty-two of expected goals against, and the third fewest high danger chances against. He's been when he's been on the ice, the Flames have been the stingiest team in the league defensively, which I think would be startling to people, especially where last year when we were having all these debates about whether he's an MVP candidate, whether he's um, whether his point totals should be kind of taken up with a bit of a grain of salt because he's giving backs up so much defensively that it's not as valuable. It's kind of been the opposite story for him this season in, in under 30 games. It's all clearly an entirely different team, different playing environment, but I think it's so fascinating because it, it totally kind of throws a wrench in what we we expected heading in. And also I think the flames are so much worse off because of it. Right. I think right now they would be so maybe Daryl Sutter wouldn't because uh, it might be a bit too rich for his blood, but I think they would much prefer that he was playing the way he was last season and dealing with the defensive wards because they desperately need that playmaking that Jonathan, that, that Johnny Gaudreau, yeah. Uh, left when he departed this past summer and that Jonathan Huberto has not been able to replace himself. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any it, thoughts on Huberto or, or the flames? Yeah. No, I mean, as you said, the sample size is, it's, it's yeah. weird. It's a guy who's been around. He's in a new, in a new space and, and all that stuff. So, um, okay. Well, here, here, okay, here, yeah, here's, yeah. here's the thing for you. Yeah. I'll follow up on that. That's kind of more league wide. So yesterday I had, yeah. I had, um, Thomas Rance, who's getting a second second shout out on, on today's show. Yeah, I had him on yesterday, and uh, we were in uh, we were in Seattle together. Yeah, we went to go watch a Seahawks game, and so we uh, we were doing our sports night radio shows on on the road uh, on the road from a hotel yeah. room, uh, sitting across from each other on 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 two separate queen size beds, and it was it was great. It was intimate. It was nice. It was a lot a lot of fun. Um, while we were doing it, a question came up about, or I brought up the fact that, um. You know, scoring is up around the league mm-hmm. so far this season, and that's been a, a hot topic, and it's kind of a continuation of the trends we've seen in the past. Yeah. But also expected goals have really caught up as well. Like last year, there was a, a massive imbalance in terms of goals were way up, but the expected goals models weren't really catching up to it, and it just like it seemed like 
everyone was overperforming in terms of shooting percentages and such. Yeah. This year, there's actually a five on five league wide been more expected goals than actual goals. And part of and my working theory was not only are are the players more skilled, but teams have tried to optimize their offensive approach so much. Like it's yeah, it's really taken from advancements we've seen in other sports and in football where you throw the ball more instead of running it, especially on early downs. In basketball, where you're getting rid of that long two and instead you're either shooting threes or trying to get layups. And we're seeing so much more of that in hockey. When you see a team that's just peppering point shots or taking these low percentage looks from the offensive zone, it really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb because for the most part, most teams, especially when they have their top lines out there, are trying to get the puck into these like such specific areas of the ice. And now it becomes that cat and mouse game of the defense trying to prevent them from doing so. But teams are getting a lot better at actually accomplishing that, right? And they're seeing it pay immediate dividends. And so... The Flames have specifically very like, very much so struggled with exactly that. Their shot volume as a team is exactly where it was last year when they were one of the best offensive teams in the league, but they're not getting the puck into those da- dangerous areas of the ice. They miss Matthew Kachuk around the net. They miss oh, yeah. Johnny Goudreau's passing, and Jonathan Huberto has not been able to replicate that. And so that's why it's, I think it's so interesting because you're seeing how how much that team has changed the way they play offensively with this new personnel and it's been kind of like completely night and day between one year to the next, basically. Yeah. I mean, and when you go from, if, if you're like Huberto and you go from being a guy who was having the offensive success he had in Florida last year to you're having this year and you're not creating the same, like a mental switch goes through as a player too, where, well, you got to be doing something like that's mm-hmm. the other thing too. Like the, your attitude starts to change too. And that's something where, I don't know if that's a micro or macro thing for Huberto. I don't know if I'd say like, well, I'm bust and busting back a bit more and being better defensively now because the puck's not going in. Or if I don't know if there's a pen natural pendulum to that or not, but I, I do think there's always an element to that where you become a, as a player, you're like, oh, well, this isn't going well. And I can either dig in and worry about it, or I try to find something else as well. And I think you see a little bit of that too on a mental and, individual playing scale too for Huberto mm-hmm. as well um yeah I, I mean i don't know i haven't talked to Huberto about it but i'd be curious to ask him that question and i'd be curious if and i'd be I curious think you, too I, think the, you should, I think you should reach out to him I, i'm curious what the honest answer would be before but not the i mean i know what the i know what the answer would be the answer would be uh well it's uh i'm working my game it's it'll get there it's yeah. slow slow it's okay like i know what the answer would be i i i, I want the honest answer of what he what he thinks about once he once i walk away and he's and he's telling me to F off behind my back. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's do one final quick one here. So, yeah. at yeah. We Went Blues asks, are Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo one of the most underappreciated duos in the league? Um, by whom? Well, the question. I, I assume like, not by Blues fans. Uh, I, I like, think, I think kind of like league wide, nationally, yeah, people yeah, yeah. that aren't okay. just covering the Blues or, or okay. watching them on a full time basis. I would I have to start making a list in my head, but I yeah. do think that that's that's fair. I mean, I would assume I've I covered in proximity. I covered St. Louis enough being in Dallas and mm. good. But good I think that was, that was kind of yeah, before yeah, yeah, they really took yeah, this next step, yeah. right? Yeah. No, but like where I'm going with that is just like, and I've talked to some other people who cover the Blues, and good pal of mine is about to become the new Blues beat writer. That's shout right. out to Matt. Shout out to Matt to Franks. Good to the, you, the Franks fans. Bump. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're getting a good one, Blues fans. Uh, mm. And uh, but I, I think they're appreciated in St. Louis, but 
I think it's fair. I think I think that's a fair assessment to say they're one of the more underappreciated duos in the league on on a, on a league scale. I think if you ask someone to go make a list of quote unquote dynamic duos or whatever, like I don't think they would come up for somebody outside of St. Louis, but they're yeah <laughs> yeah well certainly not underappreciated amongst pdo yeah. guest listeners because I, yes. I spent yeah. like all of last year talking yeah. about jordan kairu now yeah i will say a both guys are they're they're each making 2.8 million this year mm-hmm. yeah they're both jumping up to 8.125 million next year in the matching mm-hmm. eight-year deals yeah. they signed so that'll make them the 37th highest paid forwards which um i'd have to make a list it, it, it seems like they're they, they would probably be better than that but they're going to be compensated much more fairly for for their production starting next season. The other thing I would say is last year they played 34% of their minutes at 515 together, this year 43, which is still quite a bit, but they're not yeah. like full-time duos, you know, when you think of like mm-hmm. center winger that play off of each other all yeah. the time and they're inextricable yeah. or even like yeah. Kaprizov and and Zuccarello who are both wingers, but they're yeah. like you can't separate them at this point. They're like they're Yeah. Yeah. Or two peas in a pod, right? These guys like yeah. aren't necessarily playing every single minute together, so I think it is a bit, a bit yeah. different as well. But yeah, in terms of like how dynamic they are and, and complementary skill sets, like I love watching those guys play. Even though the Blues have have not had as easy of a go of it this season, they're still uh, incredibly fun. Yeah, no, and I, I, I think it's probably the spot on answer here is that they are underappreciated across the league. It's something where people, you're not going to think about them as you might think of some other people, but if you pay attention to St. Louis, you pay attention to what they've done. They're fun to watch. And that's it's in hockey supposed to be fun. Hockey's a yeah. game. Yeah. So. Well, I think young players generally are underappreciated, right? Not only by their own coaches yeah. in the sense that it, it takes them probably longer than, than they should yeah. to get top flight usage. Yeah. Um, but also like where I feel like in general, we're, Unless you're watching guys on a day-to-day basis, like a casual fan out of market is probably slow to adjust mm-hmm. their own perception of, of, of players they're not watching all the time. It's like, you know, they have the household names that you're familiar with that are probably mm-hmm. already like in their 30s now. And it's like guys who have been around for a year or two were slow to kind of adapt to how quickly the game is changing in that regard and like the, the pecking order of who's the most fun. So and it's, um, it's also always funny too how they promote the guys too on a national oh, yeah. scale because like it's like the other night it was uh the detroit minnesota game the other night like in the like i got the email from turner for like oh hey uh detroit minnesota wednesday night like the headliner was ryan reeves like yeah like that's the like i get you're gonna talk to him before the game because that's what you do every time but that's from a hockey perspective the guy you're headlining in a game where kaprizov's playing like well and then him yeah. Him drilling Philip Ronick wound up being the, oh, the main yeah. takeaway from the game. So maybe uh, so, maybe TNT yeah. was onto something in terms of uh, what the talking points would be heading heading out of that one. Um, okay, Sean, this is a blast. Perfect way to end the week. I'll let you plug some stuff. Uh, where can people check your check your workout? Yeah, I mean, we did this two days. We did this three <laughs> That's days right. ago. Yeah, it hasn't, was, changed. So it's it hasn't like, changed since then. So. Much, much, much hasn't changed. This is always the most right. nerve-wracking well, part your, of it. Plug, like, your, plug your Substack because uh, yeah, we talked yeah. about the article yeah. about the NHL yeah. schedule adjustments so yeah. that's where it is so i want people to check that out yeah yeah you check out the Substack. it's uh chap shots is the name of it it's uh you follow me on twitter at sean shapiro is where i share quite a bit of it it's basically we've talked about it before on here but to it's kind of the space where i get to play around with some silly hockey ideas uh write about the schedule my idea to change the schedule today um 
I had a really good feature there on Magnus Helberg earlier this week that people should check out just as, as a guy who's legitimately super interesting and has traveling around has been traveling around the country and waved multiple times and uh there's a good nugget in there about uh, the fact the fact of the matter is someone above Seattle tried to claim him the first time Seattle claimed him. And so don't know which team that is, but uh, some, some good nuggets there. So check out the sub stack. Uh, yeah. And then always, as always, you got the stuff over at EP rink side, but this is always, you always make me feel like I do no work. Like you, you say like, what do you got to plug? Like, and then you're all of a sudden you get like all clammed up and you're and you start saying what you do and you're like, Oh man, I do nothing. <laughs> I do nothing ever. And then <laughs> like, that's what yeah. it feels like when you, when you get asked to like, to plug your stuff so but check out the sub stack and uh it's uh i think i think we do some i think we have some fun there so yeah man all right well this is a blast um i will uh usually here i say oh i'll be back i'll be back tomorrow on fridays i say i'll be back on monday in this case i'm actually taking next week off uh for the holidays i am uh i'm going are you do you have any do you have any fun holiday plans for yourself with your family or are you just got you guys just staying home and uh and doing the regular uh thing? just kind of staying home we'll yeah. do uh we'll do we'll do hanukkah on first night of hanukkah sunday night with the kids nice. so it'll be fun and uh i don't know i know you said not to make it a home improvement one but fingers crossed if the water uh if i get the water to freeze in the backyard by monday to have a nice uh, holiday skate i love it all right well i'm going uh you know, for people here in Vancouver who listen there, they're familiar with Tofino. It's out on Vancouver Island. We're going out for a few days there. Looking forward to it. Um, so I hope everyone has a, a fantastic holiday season. And we will be back here on Wednesday, December 28th with a new episode. So the following week after that. So looking forward to that. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff to catch up on and discuss then. So that'll be a, that'll be a blast. So in the meantime, um, thank you to everyone. For listening to the Hockey PDO cast here as always on the Sportsnet Radio Network.